0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fred Funk from long distance somehow gets it to go. We can't believe it. The hat and the glasses come off. Fred Funk with the birdie at 16. All right, welcome into another edition. I'm shocked they still have us back here. Turfs on the tee with the Hawk, Fred Funk, and... I don't even have a nickname. I just have Chick, which I guess is a nickname. Um, Coming up on the show this week, I'm not bearing the lead. Coming up on the show in mere moments will be Stuart Sink, who's one of the hottest golfers on the PGA Tour right now at the age of 47, turning back the clock. And he's going to join us here to talk about the win at the RBC Heritage and uh, and a whole lot more. So, Freddie, how did you spend your week? You were in Denver. So what are you working on?
1: Yeah, we talked about it before, but I'm building a golf course out in uh, Windsor, Colorado, and it's really exciting. It was a bucket list thing for me to do, which I thought would never happen because somebody would have to come to me and say, hey, you want to build a golf course? And I never (laughs) thought that would happen. But uh, this happened back in 2009 is when this all came about, and we've been sitting on it. Yep. We've been sitting on it since then. He always said, when I have the money or when it's time, I'm going to have the money to finish the project when we start it. it became the time. We uh, broke ground in September, and we've been rocking all through the winter. I think we've only missed about nine days all winter of because of snow. And uh, we have all 18 holes shaped. So I was out there looking at it with the developer and the architect is uh, Harrison Harris who worked for Palmer's Group for 25 years. And we're really good friends. And we walked uh, five hours walking nine holes Saturday and five hours walking nine holes on Sunday and looking at every detail because we're trying to get all the shapes, right. We're trying to make sure all the levels are right. The, the undulations in the greens and the depth of the bunkers. And, and, uh, actually one thing I was looking at is, you know, how you get a golf course where it has some Hills on it, but the balls will collect the one area and becomes a divot farm. Absolutely. Well, we're trying to minimize that before we build it instead of trying to fix it after we build it. So, um, uh, Yeah, we're looking at all the details. We made some really neat changes here and there and uh, still at this point, uh, really cool. A lot of it with cart paths and with the fairways and things like that. But it's super exciting.
0: So uh, for folks who don't understand, I mean, course design. So you get a piece of land and how do you see it? How do you start to think, all right, here's or do you have a preconceived notion of how you want a course to go?
1: Well, it's, it's funny because most pieces of land, I think pieces of land that you would get if it's completely tree covered, you got to do it off a topo map. Uh, you got to know where all the low areas are, the creeks and all that other stuff and look at that. And then you cut center lines and then you go walk the property and, and off the center lines and then go from there. Or if you have just this flat piece of nothing and you got to create stuff, you can kind of do anything you want. We had this piece of land that uh, there's not a tree on it. Uh, it drops about 300 feet from top to bottom. It has these huge arroyos, which are just big erosion ditches that have been there for thousands of years. And the land dictated what we had to do. We had to go where it told us to go. Because uh, we're not going down in the arroyos. We're just going over and around them. And it's an amazing piece of property. And when you first look at it, especially an aerial photo, you see, golly, there's no way you can build a golf course on that. And then as you get down in there, uh, the shapers, we have three shapers, the guys with the big bulldozers that, that move all the dirt. And all of them have been doing it a combined uh, 90, oh, about 100 years between the three of them. And they say it's the best piece of land they've ever worked with in their life for a golf course. Wow. Wow. So it's really special. It's going to be the longest golf course in North America, the fourth longest in the world at 8,400 yards. Oh. But it'll play probably 74, 75 from the back tees. Uh, cause we got a mile high and we have yeah. a lot of, uh, downhill holes that are, that are, you're going to see a lot of 400 yard drives plus from oh, these guys because of the runout that it'll have. We're making yeah. it a really firm and fast. It's going to have that, uh, British style, link style grass, the really tight fescue. And then it'll have all the native areas with the real high grass off to the side. And it's going to be spectacular. It'll be a high end public, um, Golf course, and it was, it'll be really nice. And you're uh, pretty much a life member if you want to be.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you're in. Yeah, oh, that is spectacular. <laughs> I can't wait. That's awesome. That is ridiculous. Um, that's very cool. And I know that when it's finally said and done, it's going to be just a, an awesome experience. It yeah, it's called
1: Rain Dance you. too, actually. So the name of it's Rain Dance. That was the name of the property. Is really great name. Oh wow! And we're going to nickname it because uh, everybody call it. Like we're going to go to the dance, so we're calling it uh, "Welcome to the Dance," <laughs> and and that's it. So we in the summertime um, or in the wintertime, uh, on the side of is this big hill on the side, we're making a snow bunny hill on that side, oh and and during the summer it'll be an alpine slide and also be a uh, uh, like a X Games bicycle course mm-hmm. with the jumps and everything. Oh, you got everything.
0: You got everything. And
1: yeah, I'll have an ice rink. It's going to have a zip line. It's going to have a hotel, it's going to have a chapel, it's going to have a convention center, a huge clubhouse, um, 18 of the most spectacular holes you ever see. It's literally, uh, it's almost 18 signature holes. It's it's ridiculous. It's, it's so pretty.
0: You know, a lot of guys, when they get into this, they just, they do it nice and quiet off to the side. They get their course done and it's done. And people enjoy it. You have, you guys are building a Mecca out there in, uh, Windsor. Well, it turned it out
1: that way. Originally it was just going to be a golf course and it's turned in all this other stuff. Wow. So it's, it's a uh, pretty amazing It's going to be called the it's rain dance, but it's going to be the dance. So we're going into the dance.
0: So it's going to be called the dance. So a lot of guys who could never get a date to the dance when they were young, because they were nerds playing golf are now going to play golf at the dance, which is kind of cool. Um, all right. So we got, uh, Mr. Stewart sink joining us here shortly, uh, real quick before he gets in here. Um, the Zurich classic team event um, one by Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman, the Australians, uh, in a playoff mullet head mullet head. Yeah. That's a great mullet. Have you ever had a, did you carry a mullet?
1: No, I, I just, I had awful hair back then. I mean, I had, yeah. I mean, I grew it over my ears and I had it halfway down my neck, but not I like his. It. Yeah.
0: Okay. There's no pictures uh, of that, that I've seen, which I probably, no, don't my, high see.
1: S- my high school picture was pretty, uh, it was not good.
0: High point high school. I what that was.
1: No, yes, sir. Yeah. We called a high joint. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh
0: folks properly also, named
1: we're properly we, named <laughs>
0: <laughs> folks who are listening to terps on the T here. we are both Maryland kids, so I know High Point High School very well. I went to Montgomery Blair, but we did threaten my oldest because we live in our our public school would be High Point, and our oldest was acting really? up when he was young, huh? and uh we said, hey listen, you keep acting up because we're gonna you know we're fortunate enough to to be be able to send our kids to to private education um but since he was acting up we told him listen dude you, you keep this up you're going to high point and his initial response was oh um they, they have metal detectors there <laughs> he was so nervous about it so it kind of worked he's like he'd heard things about high point um well back in the day
1: cool. it was the best public school in by far in pg county at the time but uh well other than they they built that big one in uh Greenbelt was a was it Roosevelt Rose, Roosevelt yeah, yeah that became a a really good one but we had a great uh reputation back then as a educational school really? um yeah and then it you know it, they all change they all go through their cycles they, you they just do. yeah they all yeah, they, they do. really do
0: We've had two blairs right <clears throat> people say did you go to the old blair guy? I, I correct them no I went to the original blair um, Mhm which I'm the low man on the totem pole when it comes to celebrities. We had Goldie Hawn, Connie Chung, Ben Stein, great comedian, ah, the guy who's yeah. Bueller, Bueller, um, uh, <laughs> Carl Bernstein um, from the political uh, realm, bunch of uh, and Steve Francis who played basketball at Maroons, a bunch of Blair folks. It's I ben like Goldie Hawn, I do too. And you know what's yeah. cool is that she came back for something, and I tweeted her. Um just talking about Blair and we started we started a discussion about Blair, which is you know, I never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be ever conversing with with Goldie Hawn, And and there I was two Blair yeah. kids. Um she obviously turned out a whole lot better than I did, but that's that's fine. I'm okay with it. Um <laughs> I don't know. I think you're <laughs> pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I'm I pretty sure, I'm yeah, pretty sure pretty... she had a
1: better she had a better career. Um and, well and she, she might not be as happy as you. Well yeah, she's
0: pretty, she's pretty <laughs> <Jeez>. um <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the very uh, uh, classic is won by Cam Smith and, and Mark Leishman. Uh, unfortunately, on the first playoff hole, Louis Oosthazen and his partner Charles Schwartz were there, and Louis, this this makes amateurs feel almost kind of good. Louis just on a par the par five at the at the, at the Louisiana just absolutely hits it right and it's out of bounds and basically uh, they're they're done for the day um and before we get to that story i see now that mr sink has uh chimed in so we're bringing him in here um and i believe there he is stuart sink is joining us now um stuart chick hernandez and your buddy fred funk here um so thanks a lot for joining us here early on this monday morning um i, I, I right out of the gate. I just want to know what happens on a Monday after you win a tournament? What is that day like for a guy who wins a tournament?
2: Well, um, good morning. first of Good of morning. All. Good, good morning. You would hey. <laughs> uh, think it'd be like a, Hey Freddie, you think it would be like, hey. a, like, you know, like a dream. Like you wake up and there's like, Oh, uh, you know, you've got like trophy right next to you. And then you're, you're still like pumping your fists and, All that, but in reality, it goes one of two ways. It either, um, if you wake up and you're kind of like, all right, what's next? And you think about like, do I need to go to the gym today? Do I go practice today? Have I unpacked? You know, it's less glamorous than you think. This particular Monday, this uh, week ago today, uh, we're moving right now. So our mover showed up at 7.30 a.m. to start packing our house with, you know, just, I mean, it was like, turning the place upside down like we were being like searched by the FBI or something. So um, we rolled in from Hilton head about 2 AM on Sunday night and seven 30, they were at the front door with a team of uh, Packers to put things in boxes and out the door. So it was, there was no real uh, time to be celebratory because we had to get right into another phase of our life.
1: You know, it was for me, it was always different too. Sometimes you're elated, but that elation goes away pretty quick. It's like, okay, We've done that, been there. All right, we've got to move on. we got to get that next one. And then uh, it it, it seems like it never really drops, but it was really a special win when you – well, what you're doing, at, especially at, at 47, having your son on the bag. It was great seeing your family out there and watching and, and Lisa having the tears rolling down underneath her sunglasses. I don't know if you saw that. It was, yeah, I did. It, it, it was so good, and it's, it's just such a great – story that you have and then everything that you've been through and what Lisa's been through and the recovery and everything it's it's just a feel-good story it's fantastic
2: uh, it's been you know uh in fact I think her let's see it's the 26 two days from now she'll have her it'll be her five-year anniversary from the day she got diagnosed so um if you can believe that five years has gone by it, it um a lot has happened but um she's doing great and uh you know, she's still in treatment. She's not out of the woods or anything, but she's doing really well. And um, we're just blessed to have every day. And I think that attitude has kind of helped me, you know, um, kind of appreciate where I am in golf. And it, it, it takes, it, it helps take the, the sting out of some of the poor shots, whatever, you know, I mean, the expectations are way different than they were when we were in our twenties and thirties at what they call, you know, the peak of our careers, and so um, the expectations change a little bit, and that has a lot to do with, you know, being relaxed in the course and smiling a lot, and 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 you know, maybe playing better.
0: Yeah, My wife's a breast cancer survivor as well, and, you know, it, it changes everything, and people, even she, you know, she had, ended up having a double mastectomy, and, you know, there are times when, out of the blue, she will ask me, how did you do that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? how did you take care of me? Cause you know, we're talking, you know, having to take out, you know, the ports and stuff and all of that jazz and, and cleaning out lines. And I, was, I just looked at her and said, what do, you, what do you mean? How, what, what option did I have? You're the person that is my partner. I love you. And it's not a, it was never a, a thing, you know, it's just like, and, and from that day forward, your, your makeup changes how you view a lot of stuff and what's important, what's not important. And obviously it it changes uh, how you perform because you're not so angst about other BS that's going on. Uh, Yeah, that's true. With your son, Reagan. So take me back to, because I can't get my son to go to the store with me. Okay, he's a 20, I got a twenty-two-year-old. Hey, I'm like, hey, you want to go out? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, what? Really? I know that you know. Fred's got Taylor, and Taylor's in the game. Um, but take me back to, uh, how the partnership of dad and son on the bag happened.
2: Sure. Um, Reagan graduated from Georgia Tech back in the summer last year. And his last couple of years at Georgia Tech, he was working as a co-op with Delta Airlines, and he, he was really thriving and doing great. And um, upon graduation, Delta offered him a full-time position. But his offer came the day that COVID started, oh. and mm-hmm. so um, so then there was a lot of uh, uncertainty about his start date. And then eventually, Delta said, "Look, yeah, we're going to need you to push your start date back that back to you know it was ended up being like November the 3rd. So he had this sort of uh, time where he was in flux and um, he got engaged during that time. And so his life was getting kind of set up nicely, but it was going to be a uh, delayed. <laughs> and so um, myself, I was coming off an injury in 19. I didn't play very well and I didn't quite do what I needed to do to earn my full extent satisfaction. So I started this season on the, um, uh, I was past my medical, but I started the season on the, partially exempt category, which we call in the game, the 126-150, which meant I was probably going to get in somewhere between 12 and 15 tournaments and maybe a couple of sponsor exemptions here, you know, um, because I've played a long time and I know a lot of people out there. So um, we were having this powwow. Uh, Connor, my older son wasn't there because he lives in Jackson hole. He, he was living in Jackson hole for this ski season, work from home. You know, he's got the millennial dream life. And yeah, uh, <laughs> And so, um, so Lisa and Reagan and I were sitting around in our living room and we we're talking like, okay, we were debating whether I should uh, cash in my career money exemption, which I have one still, and just play the year fully exempt, or should I just play the year out of the partially exempt category and, and work hard and get in when I get in and, and kind of treat it as a, you know, we'll see here. And um, what we decided to do was to play out of that partially exempt category and not use my, uh, career money. And in, in the conversation, part of the conversation was that Reagan said, Hey, by the way, um, I'm not doing anything right now. You know, I'm kind of in between work. I'd be happy to category one of these tournaments. I love the category. And so he's for me, uh, three times before that. And it was more like when he was in high school, he was, still kind of a kid and, you know, it was fun for dad and son and all that. But since then he's grown up and he's matured a lot. And I'm sure Taylor can identify with having, you know, if, uh, you know, Fred asked Taylor, you know, to caddy, it'd be way different now than it would have been if Taylor was, you know, 16. And so um Reagan and I play golf a lot together. He's a good golfer. He's not Taylor Funk, but he's um, a scratch golfer. He thinks about, he, he sees the game and he thinks about it and he makes decisions a lot like Taylor and Fred and I do. Uh, but he just hasn't played enough in his life, really. He's kind of start and stop too much golf to be physically like a really great player. But as a caddy, man, I'm telling you, that first week he jumped right in. And and I mean, he was a he was good, good enough to be a caddy for anybody in the world on on the first day. Wow. And he uh, he really bought into it. He's still doing an awesome job, and so we we got the win that first tournament. That was the that was Safeway back in the fall, and he we we won together. It was awesome, and um, I gave him one more week to go because you know I didn't want him to be a full time caddy, and then we finished pretty high in the next one. And so anyway, just to kind of sum the story up, when his start date came for his job, we just finished fourth in Bermuda the Sunday before that. He's supposed to start on Tuesday. So another family powwow comes up and and it started by us discussing whether he was going to caddy at the masters and I wanted him to. And I said, well, you know what, while we're at this, how would you feel about just caddying all the way through this season? <laughs> and he's like, I, I, I can't believe you asked. I'm so glad. I was hoping you ask. I, I love this. It's fun. Let's, let's keep it rolling. And anyway, we made a few calls to Delta and talked to his team. And, um, fortunately one of the guys that I know at Delta is, uh, Ed Bastian, who's the top guy at Delta. So, um, and I didn't ask Ed for any favors. I was more asking for advice. Like, what would you do if you're in my position? And Ed was like, Stuart, we love Reagan. He's going to work for Delta for 40 years. If this was my daughter or my son, I would not hesitate to take this opportunity to do this. So just go and he, he can come back to Delta. And it's not like Reagan has any guarantees at Delta or any other place. He has no guarantees. It's not like he's got a job waiting, but we're doing this. And um He'll be somewhere else at the end of uh, the season and we'll see where it goes.
1: You know, Stuart, he's going to take a hell of a pay cut. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's going to take Yeah. It's going to be hard for him to jump in and and, and make the kind of money he's making. In. But I'm serious, you keep- you know, going, going back to the caddying thing, though, know, seriously, I mean, Fred, you know, the life that we live, I mean, it's pretty much a one-man traveling carnival, and the caddies, I can't even imagine what it would be like to to be a professional full-time caddy your whole life and it's nothing I would ever wish on either my kids or anybody that I care deeply about. And I just, uh, I wouldn't, you know, my, my son's just getting started with his marriage and his um, I just don't think I would want him to be traveling away from her. Cause you know how that it's just so difficult to travel and be gone from your family as much as we had to back in the day. And and so I wouldn't want him to do it. And that's been
1: a big part of our conversation. So um, we love it now. It's
2: temporary. It's got an endpoint. And I'm
1: also retire when he's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're now you got a champion store coming. So, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> no. Yeah. You forgot about that. You're now you're exempt until age, what, 50, 50, at least 50. 50 and then one you- And yeah, about 51 and a half. And then you still have your lifer if you want it
2: yeah. all
1: time. And so you can do that. Speak. I want to back up a little bit on perspective and and your attitude, your mental picture that you have now. And Jim Murphy, I think you work with Jimmy, right?
2: I I I worked with him for about four years, three or four years. And I I still, I don't work with him officially anymore, but I definitely still employ a lot of his uh, philosophies.
1: Yeah. I've always had difficulty with that because um, I worked with Jim as well. And I just had, a problem where you're not ever supposed to focus in on results and it's just the game. And it's obviously it works if you don't, but it's hard to do in golf because you are what you you shoot. You pretty much are, are defined in golf success or failures based on score. And I just couldn't get past that with, with him. Uh, Although you have to, and it sounds like with you now that the way you're playing your attitude on the golf course uh, you're just so much more accepting of, uh, you know, whatever the difficult stuff that you're, you know, the bad shots or a bad day or whatever. And you're just going out there really enjoying, uh, where you are in your life right now. Uh, everything that's, that you've gone through your perspective, obviously with, with dealing with Lisa and, and, you know, all that, and, and then having your son on your bag, you just seem to be on a, a real relaxed high right now, as far as playing golf.
2: Yeah, I, I believe that's true, and um, I'm going about golf the way I always wanted to go about it, but I always felt like I was a little bit hindered, and that is um, part of it's the Murphy way. Like um, I do understand that you are what you shoot in, in, in a sense, but also I've worked really hard to try to understand why that is such a thing with us and why we get emotionally tied and attached to it. And um, so now when I inevitably feel that way, I can kind of piece my way through it and and think through, um, you know, why it is that like I'm so like nervous over a certain shot or maybe I'm like embarrassed because I hit ball out of bounds or something like that, you know. And I understand the connection between where that ball went or where it didn't go and where my body and my mind are feeling and doing. And so I can kind of make sense of it. As opposed to standing there, just like, you know, the old phrase, like throwing up all over yourself, right? Well, there's a reason you throw up all over yourself. And it's that connection that you understand that it's not where the ball went. It's how you feel about where the ball went. That is what scares us. And so um, I've done a lot of work with other guys too, including Murphy, But, um, but that's helped me be calm. But also having Reagan out there, you know, father and son reagan's uh he's 23 he or he's 24 now i just turned 24 he's um it, it's it's a little bit easier for me to dictate sort of like here's what we did here's our operation this is a manual it's like you buy a car and you got a manual well if you need to fix something look at the manual right and with other professional caddies i've had in my whole career um, they've been really good all of them have had their strengths but I've had a difficult time really implementing my kind of style of play and what I want to do and, and having that um, approach that just basically makes all the decisions for me. I've felt that way in my heart, but it's been kind of hard to implement it because I've always felt a little bit of a difference in the philosophy coming back at me from the caddy. And, and with Reagan, he has learned golf by watching me and playing with me. He um, is completely, you know, he's a clone. He's a mini me as far as the way we think <laughs> on the golf course. Uh, and I, I mean, he's, he's great to have. And we almost never disagree. We have the same exact philosophy and we're attacking golf courses like crazy, but we're also putting the foot on the brake when we need to. And we recognize that time and it, it feels just like a really comfortable way to play the courses right now. And so that combined with all the other, you know, um, facets that are sort of making up this, um, this relaxed position I'm in has just really, has just turned into some, you know, at times, not all the time, but at times it's turned into some good relaxed uh rounds.
0: We're talking with Stuart Sink, eight-time winner on the PJ Tour, and also the winner of the Claret Jug back in 2009. Um, we're talking about the fact that his son Reagan is the his caddy. Um, if there's if there's one positive out of the pandemic, is that and I say this knowing that the other side of it is not so good, and that is that less crowds afforded us the chance to hear the player caddy conversations much better. Right. Um, and so we've listened to you and Reagan talking and you've talked about the system. If you can let us in on, don't give away all the, your, your secrets, but what is the system that you guys are working with? What, what is that?
2: Well, it's really just kind of a decision-making tool that um, I kind of, um, you guys have probably heard of Scott Fawcett's decade system. I subscribed to it when I was searching for kind of a way to quantify the way that I felt about how to properly play golf because I was just hearing a lot of like, oh, you need to be more aggressive in that. i sure would, you know, and no offense to any of my other caddies. I mean, they are all they're all really good, but I was hearing a lot more take more dead aim from places where I'm like, I just don't feel like that's right. But it's hard to have that conversation where. You, uh, you just say, I don't feel like it's right. Even though I'm, in the end, the boss of the of the situation here and the CEO of the company in a way, for me just to say without any kind of evidence or empirical backup to say, I don't feel like that. It was kind of tough and it left that conflict or just a little bit of me. And so um, I, I subscribed to Scott Fawcett's Decade System and, and, and read about it and I watched his videos. And um, what I was hearing every time I would flip over to a new piece of, information was that this basically uses stroke scan statistics and his experience to quantify exactly the way i already feel about playing golf and i took the system and i kind of tweaked it to my own um you know uh my own way i went out and used TrackMan. i kind of figured out my own dispersion rates and all that stuff and basically what we do me and reagan now is we kind of use a sort of you I don't know hybridized or bastardized depending on your, the way you look at it <laughs> version of, of that and um, so we know how much dispersion roughly that my typical shots going to have with each club we know we can just kind of take that uh, sort of like this we call it a splash zone we can take that and just sort of overlay it over every green depending on what club we're hitting now and um, we look at the whole locations the night before and we just say you know we don't want to be over here. This over here will be fine. And we kind of move that splash zone towards that area that says this will be fine. It doesn't mean we're going to never hit balls in water or OB or anything. We take risks because um, the decade system uh, is a little bit more conservative than I have chosen to bastardize. And so, um, but I'm willing to take on more risk because in in the PGA tour, I believe that you get rewarded more for great shots than you get punished for terrible shots um, in the long run. So I'm taking chances. But um, we just do that homework every night. And um, before the round, and you can probably understand now how the decisions are kind of left up to the system, and we don't have to spend a lot of energy going through decision-making on the course. It's already done. We look at our charts and our map, our yards book and say, well, I mean, look right there. The shot's 179 yards, but the, sh- the chart says we're gonna hit this ball 171 to 176, and that's it. And that's, a, that's an eight iron, so that's it, let's go. See, we don't have to really decide a lot about like, well, you don't want to take a chance on bouncing over into the back bunker or left or right. You just hit your shot.
1: Well, when you were coming down to stretch at uh, Hilton head and I watched you on 16 and 17, <laughs> that was uh, two unbelievably great shots, especially well, both of them. I can't even separate one that was better than the other, but I think you had a three shot lead. Not really knowing who was, who was ahead of you that, uh, he made a nice par putt on 17, um, uh, shoot forgot who were it was, was, uh, sorry, it was Grillo, uh, yeah, Grillo, Grillo yeah Grillo so he, yeah I didn't know whether you knew that was a par putter or birdie putter or even paying attention but you were great you had a great shot into 16 and then a great shot into 17 and the you know the game set match pretty much and
2: the hole is a good example of how we work this little system because the pins in the front left and they have a uh, that, that bunker on the left side of that fairway that extends all the way to the green, you know, that thing's been like a waste bunker in an actual bunker. Like every year, it seems like it flips and changes, but this year it was a waste bunker, and that's just not a good place to be. Not a good place to get up and down from because you don't know kind of lie you're going to get in there. It's not like a perfectly prepared bunker, and we're comfortable out of bunkers, but you know, out of those waste areas, sometimes you just don't know what you're getting. So um, that was a place that we just said you just can't go there. And on that uh, on that particular shot. We used a hole as sort of the beginning of our yard zone, which was about six or five yards past the back of that waste bunker. And then uh, we added about another six or seven that we said, this is tolerable. We're going to carry it between the flag and this six or seven yards past the flag. That's our tolerable carrying area. And we worked the math back to where I had a pretty much a full gap wedge into that shot. And if you go back and see the shot, the ball carried like, three and a half yards past the flag. I mean, it split that zone in half and it was right on line, but that's what I, that, that the fact that I didn't have to really do a whole lot of decision making about that shot before that I did it the night before it gave me the energy or it, it kept me in where I had enough gas in the tank to where I could focus on nothing but execute it. And I executed that shot great. And same with 17. I mean, 17 actually has kind of a poor shot because our our plan there was to go, you know, a little short and right of that hole. So it was right up against the back of that bunker. And, yeah. but my shots are landing in a splash zone. They're not dead on. None of us are. That's one of Scott Fawcett's uh, tenets about the system is that we're not as accurate as we think we are. <laughs> and my splash zone with an eight iron is pretty wide. So I hit that ball in 17 in the, kind of in the extremity of my zone, but the extremity of that zone, because we had placed it in the right area, caught the edge of the green.
0: I was seven feet from the hole when I made the birdie. I'll be buying that uh, book shortly uh, to get my own game (laughs) in shape. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) After what happened this past weekend on the amateur level. Um, 2009, you win the Open Championship. And obviously, uh, there's two stories there. Stuart Sink wins and Tom Watson, uh, at the age of 59, does not. Um, How many times have you heard uh, from people – uh, the general public, man, I was, you know, right in your face, man, I was really rooting for Tom Watson, but good win by you.
2: That's pretty much how the conversation goes every single time, <laughs> every single time. Um, you know, in fact, I always joke with people, that's the same conversation I had with my dad after that. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's, that's what funny. people feel like. And I, the thing is, uh, I completely understand that. I completely understand because it was such a big, story and it kind of transcended golf into other sports and the world was watching that day and they wanted to see Tom Watson win the British Open so they could say I was watching when it happened and I was there when it happened and you know it didn't happen for Tom and, and it, it did happen for me that day and it was uh, part of the reason I was able to maintain my composure and not uh, throw up on myself that day was because I completely understood the situation that the world's pulling for Tom but I've got work to do too.
0: You 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 made a 15 footer on the 70 second hole, so you're there. Are you watching Tom um, on that last his last putt, an eight-footer? Are you watching? Are you seeing that? Are you just getting yourself ready in case there's a playoff?
2: Yeah, we were watching it. By the time I got my scorecard signed and uh kind of like positioned where I could wait for the playoff, um, I was in the locker room with Lisa and the kids and another couple that we know who was there visiting with us. And um I think when I got in front of the TV, it was just after Tom had two putted for birdie on 17 to go up by one. And then, so I watched his tee shot go down the center of the fairway. And I figured, well, it's pretty unlikely he's going to make bogey from there. Cause it's not the most difficult shot of the, of the tournament. It's downwind. You just got to carry that ball about five yards short of the green, maybe a little more. And so I felt like that the Tom Watson, I mean, it's not like he's new to links golf or anything. He was going to do the right thing. And then, um, I was very surprised on a shot coming into the green that he carried it all the way on. And as soon as it landed on the green, I'm like, that's got a chance to go along and long on television. It looked kind of, you know, you know, nondescript back there, but in reality, it's a pretty steep bank. You go just past the flag, it goes up steeply, and then it goes down sharply into some light scruffy rough. And mm-hmm. it was a tough place to get up and down from. He did a pretty good job getting his third shot close or within about nine or 10 feet, but, Obviously, the putt, you know, he'd probably like to have that one over. But it's a hard place to be in and, um, and trying to make a putt to, to kind of stay alive, so to speak. And um, so, I mean, anybody would understand that that was a tough position to make a fluid stroke in. But then I felt a lot of strength. You know, I finished well. And the playoff, I just felt like was going to be uh, – I didn't think it was going to be close.
0: All right. Oh, really? And where's yeah. the Claire drug now?
2: Claire drug? Yep. I go out that door and take a right and go about 25 feet. That's where it is, right? Now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, uh, Lee Westwood gunned his first putt um, in regulation. Well, obviously in regulation on 18 and missed it coming back, thinking he had to make that uh, birdie putt and cost him a chance to get in the playoff, if I remember right. So here's a guy that's still – weighed down by not being a major winner and probably one of the most talented guys to not have a major it's uh you know he still has that mantra that follows him around and i remember when nicholas was our captain in the president's cup and he told us uh there was a european tour event going on and a guy three putted the 18th hole and and uh he says jack goes we're eating breakfast he goes i did that once and we're all looking like what he says, yeah i did that one time I said, I thought I had to make birdie and I ran it by and I missed it. I said, everybody thinks you got to do more than you got to do coming down the stretch. And I went, well, if you're leading, everybody does think you got to do more than you got to do. Everybody does. But, uh, yeah. And, and then, uh, he said, no, you just go in there. And he says, pars are really good coming down the stretch. He says, just don't give something away. And he said, according to him, he never three putted the 18th hole or 72nd hole again in, in a tournament. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, but a, a side note, I don't know how I got into this, but it's just the way my mind works. But this is the kind of guy that uh, Stewie is. So we're playing the Wendy's 3 Tour, and we're playing with Natalie Galvez, And we caught a really warm day. Natalie's you know, dressed the way she's dressed. And I'm trying to think of how I could say something about uh, how's, her tan, basically, without oh, being sexist about anything. And I just say, hey. Natalie, you got any tan lines? I said, oh. nope. I said, oh. hey, well, she just goes, Nope, tan in the can, babe. No tan lines. I went, What? Because I'm thinking <laughs> hey, I, I'm thinking your feet don't glow in the dark. And she said, nope, nope, spray the feet too. And I went, Oh, geez. So I was thinking, because Stewie, when he, you know, when he takes his hat off, he's yep. got the white dome. And uh, I said, Natalie, you got that can so we can spray Stewie's head. <laughs> and and she goes, I don't know. I got to check. So we had that little break at nine, and she didn't have it. It wasn't in her car, and it wasn't in the locker. And I went up to Stewie, and I told Stewie, I says, hey, you know that tan in the can thing I said? And he goes, yeah. He says, we were going to spray your head. He goes, oh, I would have done that. Oh that would have been cool. It would have been a great TV moment. But <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> but, but we didn't do it. Um, we didn't have oh, yeah. the opportunity. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I mean, but look at this thing. Look, look at this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a look it's a, a look <laughs> you gotta have a signature
2: and i got a signature right here there's something on this dome so um you know i get more well. comments about that than uh than anything else now in my late years of my career so uh i'm mm.
1: keeping the tan line yeah. that's it's, perfect take your game. hat off take
0: your look, hat off look, look. There you go. I actually, I actually have a little one. My, my, when I come home from the golf, you know, just the daily <laughs> golf, my, and I take my hat off. My daughter just looks at me and goes, "Really, dude? Really? I'm like, what you? She's like well, don't you have like, sunblock? Like, I don't need sunblock. I'm a man of color to begin with, but I don't. I'm not playing without a hat on. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me? I need to have.
2: I, I, I never understood the comment that I get so many times, like dozens of times a week from the crowd. I get the comment, "Sing, try some sunscreen."
0: What's that
2: going to do? Make my head
0: whiter? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> right? <the sunscreen? laughs> sense.
1: Think about what you say before you say it. Oh, well, they yes. never do that. No. Not from the gallery. They never think before streets, ah. they speak.
0: <laughs> but you That's have a sure. gallery. You have a gallery back. I mean, how different is is playing the game in utter silence to now? You, at least you got uh uh, uh you know uh, uh, at least some folks back.
2: Yeah, we got some folks back and actually it feels like we have everybody back, even though we don't have anywhere near everybody back. But compared to what it was like for so many months, it feels like we got crowds. You know, you got hooting and hollering and you got uh, what feels like crowds. But it was kind of weird at first playing in front of nobody, but got used to it. I mean, we're so dialed into what we're doing that, you know, the, the only thing that took a little bit of adjustment is like when you Play a long time on the tour, you get used to that rhythm of impact. A couple of oos and ahs right around you, and then when the ball lands, it's either you know you get immediate feedback if it's good or bad, right. and then you have to get used to that not happening ever. And uh, but it's not like we don't have to play golf at home without that. So it, it wasn't a huge adjustment, but it's been nice to be able to interact with the fans again a little bit and um, and see them and hear them, and, and we don't hear that much. Uh, the, Uh, as far as like roars, Augusta this year didn't have much in the way of roars, but there was some people and, you know, it's just been nice to have the, it's nice to see that people have the confidence to be out with each other and
1: and the events have the confidence to let people in. It's actually harder without people uh, because you can't bounce the ball off the spectators. Nice. And, and, well,
0: they're in play and
1: sometimes we use them. You don't
0: hit the ball out of bounds. So what are you talking about?
1: Well, if you want to go over a green and the green's packed with people, and you want to take on a pin in the back, just bounce it off the people. So.
2: <laughs> Brad, when's the last time we hit a ball out of bounds? When's the last time you hit a ball
1: out of bounds? Oh, geez, I did it at, uh, oh, man. I had a three-shot lead on Bernhardt at the at the Regions in Birmingham. And on the 12th hole on Sunday, I the, the, This is the backup runway for the space shuttle. It's huge. Fairway. And I took it down the left side and I pulled it and it hit hard pin and went out of bounds. And I made triple. Oh. Bernhardt. And Bernard made birdie and I went from three up to one down and I ended up finishing third. Oh. And, uh, so thanks for asking. I was, I'm still in counseling on that. What year was that? Like 2010? <laughs> no, that was just uh, three years ago. Cool. I only hit three balls out of bound in my whole career on the regular tour. How
0: about
2: that? Three balls? Yeah. That pretty- three balls. That's, that's a, uh, I think I hit about three a month. I'm not kidding. Yeah, but I mean, I yeah, hit balls out of bounds. I mean, that's just
1: part of my deal. Well, they, that's because you're aggressive and you're long, and I, I don't I can't reach the out of bounds. That's why I just oh, I okay. can't reach
0: them. Yeah. Okay. I blame your caddy. I blame you. It's a caddy fault. just it's, that's when you turn and go. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: What, what was that again? What was that distance? What, the, what are you doing? So th- that's the. Can you put Can you put Reagan in timeout if there's an if there's an error? I mean, what I mean, you guys obviously get along really well. Has there been any friction um, that caddy? Not forget father son caddy player.
2: We just uh, we grounded from his car. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the only the only friction we've had with him being my caddy has nothing to do with caddying. It has everything to do with when he's not caddying. That is that it's easy to sort of like regress back into the college fraternity lifestyle of a weekend when you're not caddying because two weeks off means he's got nothing to do for two weeks. We try to keep. He's living at our house right now before he gets married, and so. Um, we keep him with chores and, you know, you got to earn your keep here by doing things for us, being like a, you know, an errand runner and whatnot. That's about the only friction we've ever had with it, but he's good about stuff. Oh, where'd you move to? We just
1: bought a condo down in the middle of Atlanta in town. We're moving back into town for a while. Oh, really? Wow. So you're not a sugarloaf because I was going to come knock on your door and get a drink. (laughs) I
2: am a sugarloaf, and uh, we have our closing, (laughs) the closings overlap such that, um, we're going to be, I'm like right now, I'm sure to look at our house. And then the closing won't completely be finished here until about, uh, four more weeks. In fact, a month from today, one, one month from today, and then we'll be completely in the condo. But for now, uh, we're kind of in both places. The condo still is a work site for us right now. It's boxes. It's still, there's still a few things being finished up. So we're still staying here and, uh,
1: working down there every day. I'll leave a key under the mat so I can get in. Okay. You got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: that'll be Perfect. a viral video, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> see Fred Funk going. Where is it? Oh, i got to sneak into the yeah, house. Yeah, here we here. go. Um, we're here in the final moments here with Stuart Sink, uh, who's already won twice. Have, has Have expectations changed for you this season after what you've accomplished so far?
2: Uh, yeah, they have. I mean, I'd be lying if I said no. I would, I would love to be able to say no. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing and have a great time. But yeah, I mean, I'm ranked highly of the FedEx Cup and the Ryder Cup is even out there as a possible carrot dangling for mm-hmm. uh, you know, later on. And that would be amazing. But um, for now, I mean, I think the number one priority is I'm just still having a great time with Reagan and Lisa too traveling. And um, the, both my kids are getting married this year. So we got a lot to focus on, a lot to be uh, thankful for. And um, we'll just keep going. You know, I'm having a good time. I've, I've got myself in the U.S. Open and a WGC here and there. So it's there's a lot of good things about this season. And um, But I just look forward to seeing what else we can do and if we can just throw ourselves in the, in the ring a few more
1: times this season and see what happens. You know, you position yourself for the Ryder Cup, and that's a lot of, a lot of pressure because uh, uh, Reagan's going to want a caddy in there. And it, and he's if you don't make the team, he's going to give you crap. I'm going to call him up. Says you got to give him crap. Says come on, man, you got to go. That'd be a, a thrill. I mean, what a climax that would be to having him on the bag and be a part of the Ryder Cup and yeah. and be yeah. on the bag.
2: I, I remember, um, Freddie, you were on the team at uh, was it Oakland Hills?
1: Yeah, and, we got killed, but yeah, yeah
2: trounced. But Jay, <laughs> Jay was on the team, and he was close to 50, if not 50 years old, then, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, Jay and I – yeah, Jay was uh, – 48 maybe? No, he was about 50 then because I was 48. He's two years older than me, so he was 50. He was 50. And and I was 49 or 48, so, yeah, it was right there. Jay, We're talking and, to Jay Haas, and uh, Jay Haas was uh, – yeah, he was around 50 when
2: Fred played on the Ryder Cup team with me and Oakland Hills, and we don't like to talk about the results too much, but, uh, you know – that for Hal, that was when Hal had that team meeting before the first before the first round and said, Boys, this is the best putting team ever assembled. And we're all like, jinx, 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 Yeah,
1: jinx. Oh my God. <laughs> and we didn't make anything. We didn't make anything. <laughs> it wasn't Hal's <Howell's> fault. No, <laughs> we, we never got any momentum.
0: But that's a that's a that's one of the golf's golden rules. That's like that's like coming down the stretch and going, look at the leaderboard going, Hey guys, we're good. We're three up. You don't, there's, there are certain things you don't say and Hal actually said this is the best putting. Th-
1: wow. And that was it. Well, that was a year that Tiger and Phil played together. Yeah. How'd that go? Uh, not so good actually. Yeah. Um, it didn't work out. Uh, I'd, I think at that time they weren't getting along and I would really question how that came about because I would go to Tiger. So Tiger, you want to play with Phil? And I'm sure Tiger would have said, hell no and if you went to phil he would say i don't think so and then they put them together twice but i'm not really sure how that all went down and and uh i did ride back with tiger uh after that first day and i was in the courtesy car elon was in the back with me courtesy car driver tiger's in the front all he sees the back of his head and i go hey uh how was it and he goes uh no he didn't say anything and i said hey tiger how you know how to go with the." Uh, Phil today, and he just shakes his head. He says, he was useless. <laughs> he, he said, he, said he, he didn't help me at all. And that was the year that he was changing equipment. He went to Callaway. We never saw him all week because he was always testing stuff really? everywhere else. And and we never saw him in, in practice rounds on the range. He was always working to try to figure out the ball and figure out the driver. And, <clears throat> and he had no clue where the ball was going. And if you remember those tee shots on uh, 18 that he hit. Uh, or the one day that he hit that went so far left, and I was on the tee when he hit that shot. And to look at Tiger, just like, really, you just hit it. What? Why? How did that happen? So, <laughs> it, it it was a nightmare the way that all unfolded because uh, Bernhard had it had a good team, a good philosophy. But the b- bottom line is, we never got any momentum. We couldn't make a putt. Uh, the first the morning matches, we were behind early and never could catch up. But it was still a thrill of a lifetime to be part of a team like right. that. Was right. no so, question. And
0: that leads me to this. that We just finished the Zurich Classic, and before you came on, Stuart, we were talking about, you know, it comes down to the stretch. They go to a playoff hole, and Louis Oosthuizen puts his ball in the water. The pressure in alternate shot is what to a guy?
2: Uh, well, it's – I think it's something that you have to overcome, Um you don't have the rhythm of yourself hitting the shot and you do feel that sense of like, I don't want to let the other guy down, which is really dangerous in golf. That's why it's hard. Mm-hmm. I think it's that it's mainly the burden you feel of, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that lets the team down, and, and it's just a tough thing to do. You, you, it's something you really should be voicing before the round of tournament even starts with your partners. Like, Hey, I'm just letting you know right now. I'm going to put you in crappy places a couple times. I'm not doing it on purpose. It's nothing personal, but just get ready. Okay. Cause when it happens, I don't want to feel like, Oh no, just be ready. And, and then, right. but I, I've, I've, I've always enjoyed um, alternate shot more than best ball myself. I've, I've really thrived in that format over the years. And, um, and I think it's because of that, you know, you kind of have to wrap yourself around the emotions of that format and, you know, and my game shouldn't fit in that um, format as well because typically, I've especially back in the day, I was a pretty crooked driver and a long hitter, but I just kind of scrambled my butt around the golf course and made made scores somehow. But a lot of players didn't feel comfortable playing that way. Fred probably wouldn't love that at all, although we did okay when we played out together, didn't we, Fred?
1: Yeah, we did. We did. I did to get paired with uh, Davis one day at Oakland Hills. And remember that week, Davis was driving the ball miles. <laughs> Just absolute miles, and we're on the twelfth hole, and he hit this drive that on a par five that almost nobody could reach, and I had six iron in, Ooh. and and I'm going to Davis. I backed off my shot. I said, "This is most pressure I ever felt on a six iron." He goes, "Why?" He says, "If I screw this up after this drive, and we did, I hit it in the bunker. We didn't make birdie, and we lost the hole. And it's like, oh, it was awful." <laughs> All right, final moments here with
0: yeah. Stuart Sink, a um, couple of questions. Best barbecue you've ever had is where?
2: Right in my back patio.
0: Okay. Oh. How about how about <laughs> establishments?
2: Uh, you know what? One of my favorite places on tour, I'll go. I, I got to segment my answer in more than one way here because I can't just blurt out one answer. Sure. You got kind of the Poe man's Barbecue, and then you got like the Rich man's Barbecue, all right? Richman's Barbecue, I really like Dinosaur in New York City. Absolutely. Um, It's a a small chain around the the state. Um, I don't know if they're anywhere except New York, but I know there's one up around Rochester, and they're around New York, New Jersey. Really solid. And then um, uh, the the Poe Man's Barbecue, my all-time favorite, and this would probably lead the pack overall. The number one seed overall in the barbecue Mm -hmm. tournament would be Cozy Corner in Memphis. It's just a little uh, it's a little strip mall. It's been there forever. They do the same thing every day. There's no funny business. It's just what you have. And you get just the best barbecue experience. Simple. Their ribs are absolutely the perfect definition of what ribs ought to be. And I we we love going there. I've been there with Davis. I don't know how to do this.
0: Um, uh, my son, one of my sons goes to RIT, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. So we have gone to dinner at Dinosaur. Uh, and when I covered March Madness covering the Terps, uh, we're up there in Syracuse straight to Dinosaur Barbecue it is. Yes. It's, it's, it's very good. Real very, very, very good. Uh, you have a tattoo. The tattoo is what?
2: <laughs> uh, you may remember the name Briny Bear. You guys remember Briny Bear? Yeah. It's, uh, my college roommate for a year. And, one uh, qualifying round, we decided to um, stop by and get a six pack of sprites on the way home. And said uh, it didn't say sprite on the label. And after that, we uh, decided to go get tattoos. And so, uh, Briny Baird and I will be forever linked by our almost matching tattoos, which are located right on my belt, covers it up. And really? it's on the right side and uh, about the size of a half dollar. Mine is a jamaican flag colors with a uh with a smiley face in it and briny's is a jamaican flag circle with a peace sign in it and so we're like twins that will never be separated at birth or anytime after
0: (laughs) wow (laughs) that's a tender spot by the way that's uh, i have one on my forearm that's a scorpion I didn't feel that because I I was you know suffering from an internal alcohol rub at that point. But uh, that is that is that that hip that hit is very sensitive. That's yeah,
2: sensitive. a little bit. I don't remember feeling too much though that day when, when it happened.
0: Outstanding. Uh, and uh, final question: worst score you've ever taken on a hole?
2: You know, one of my um, it may have been the worst score. I made a nine in Las Vegas. I've made a 10. Actually, I made a 10 and it was at uh, a pretty well-known hole, TPC uh, River Highlands in Hartford, Connecticut, the 15th hole. It's a hole that even Fred can drive it on the front edge. There, I mean, I've hit five wood on the green and um, I was, I don't know how many years ago, 15 years ago, maybe I was in pretty good shape in the tournament on Saturday, like maybe fifth place and I pumped a couple right. And well, lost a ball or two, had to take an unplayable in any way. It added up to 10. So that was uh, kind of devastating, kind of a chuckle. Um, you know, it, when you make a score like that, I mean, it's it's just a train wreck mentally is what it is. There's really no way to really explain it other than that. But it happens out there. I mean, everybody goes through stuff like that.
0: Right. Anything?
1: Uh, no, that, but uh, on, that is one of the best short holes I think designed. It's it's really fun because everybody can get there, but there is enough trouble, and you're trying to avoid that trouble left, which is the lake. And you go right, you're dead. You just can't go right. You, yeah. you can miss it left to make five, or you can still make four. But uh, yeah, you go right, you're dead. But that's yeah. a, a a great place in in the in the, uh, in the on the golf course being the 15th hole coming down the stretch to have that kind of risk reward hole. I think it's a great design. uh, Did Norman do that? I think, uh, no, that was done by, um, I
2: believe Howard Twitty had something to do with that. Howard Twitty, you're right. kind of came in there and and changed it with their in-house design guys. It's a great hole. You know, you talk about holes that reward a good drive. I mean, that is the ultimate hole that rewards big time a good, straight, solid drive. You don't have to be exactly right on the distance, but, man, you got to be about – there's about 20-yard gap. And if you hit that 20-yard gap, you are going to be rewarded big time.
1: But if you miss it, man, you better get ready. Brace yourself because you're going to get punished. It's a same great thing with seven, Same thing with 17 there.
2: Same you gotta thing with 17, that, Yep, Got to yep. hit
1: that fairway. You know, I hear the guys on the
2: TV talk about all the time how like their, the accuracy is – not as big as it used to be. And, and I agree that, you know, it's to a certain extent true, but man, golf feels a lot easier from the fairway. It does. And some, <laughs> holes, some holes just really reward a good drive. That's In fact, that's something that Reagan and I were talking about at the Masters this year when we came around on Sunday on uh, on 13. He actually said, and this is, I thought, pretty astute observation. He said, I've never seen a golf course that rewards a good long drive on the par fives like a dust national dust. The drive is so important on holes like, well, all the par fives too. is such an underrated driving role. Um, But 13, a good long drive goes a long way towards easy, easing that hole up. And that, I thought that was a pretty good observation he made. It's true. A, a drive is a big part of those par fives. What's next for you? Uh, Wells Fargo. I'm going to take off uh, next week, too, because of this move. or I mean, this week and and the move and help unpack boxes and get settled. And then Wells Fargo and Charlotte and then uh, PGA will be next for me after that. So I'm I'm pretty much playing every other week coming up. We're trying to kind of ease into this move and not do it all at one time. And um, I'm playing some and taking some off. And then we'll uh, have a a stretch run this summer. Well, I
1: tell you. you Go ahead, ahead, Fred. Well, I was just going to say in in three years, when you come out to the senior tour, Champions Tour, I'll caddy for you because I need a pay raise. (laughs) Oh, boy.
2: I don't know. I don't know, Fred. I think you'd be a great caddy, but I think you're a pretty good player, too. So
1: um, I think you need to stick with what your uh, day job is. Yeah. So, all right, I'm I'm working at it. I'm working That's, at it.
0: Your your body can't carry a bag anymore, Fred. You can carry a club, <laughs> not a bag, man. Your your shoulder would pop out of socket. Your knee would pop out. It wouldn't happen. Come on.
1: Well, he only needs uh like the eight the wedge putter, and. You know, driver. That's about well, it. So it's a three club challenge. Great, three club. <laughs> That's about all he needs.
0: Uh, well, Stuart, sick. We can't thank you enough for your time. And I can tell you, from a guy who's got two sons, I would, I would give my my right pinky finger to go out on a golf course and have my son caddy for me, and to see what you guys are doing, uh, and at the high level you're doing it, and the enjoyment that is readily apparent uh, with you two. It's, it's just so much fun to watch. Um, and really, uh, I can't thank you enough for the, to, to, during your busy schedule with a move and playing you know, said, at a high level. We really appreciate your time.
2: You got it. It was always good to visit with you guys, catch up a little bit, but, um, we're having a great time out there and maybe, uh, we can do it
0: again sometime.
1: That's if great. Again, good luck.
0: Yeah. If you win thanks, again, man. you're coming back on, by the way, if you win again, you're coming right back on. Just know that. Okay. Cause Fred's going to call. All right, cool. Stuart. Thanks <laughs> yeah. very much, man. Appreciate it. All right.
1: Y'all be good. Right. Thanks, right.
0: Stewie. That is Stuart Sink, two-time winner this year on the uh, tour, uh, eight times overall, got the uh, claret jug right there, it, basically in the middle of his house, which is really cool. Where's your player's uh, trophy?
1: It's in the – well, yeah, it's in the office room with the okay. rest of the stuff.
0: Okay, the rest of the stuff. You're not like well, I don't have
1: those. a tremendous – yeah, no, I don't have one of those rooms. He needs a museum. Like down in DC to put his stuff in it. Well, that's the thing.
0: I, I, Rory, I think it was, was Roy who said, Yeah, I, I went in to visit him, and there's a room that only has his majors in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? It's not the 80 something other time. No, no, just the majors. Just like, the majors. Where are the other ones? And Tiger's like, I, I don't know. What? Yeah. Um, crazy. Uh, the getaway question, and I didn't, I should have got into it with, with Stuart, is the, the player impact program that was basically leaked uh, last week. Um, and I think part of it was because of what soccer was doing in there and uh, their, you know, that, that supposed uh, new league that flopped in two days um, what the tour is doing with this player impact program, which is basically a $40 million pot. And they're really awarding the top 10 players when it comes to algorithms popularity all that stuff and when i saw it originally i'm like well what the hell is that like these guys are already millionaires what what's the what player at a top 10 players going i need to tweet more i need to do more tiktoks instagram
1: in order to get mm-hmm. more." it
0: did not make any sense to me but you're in the game what did you what do you think of this
1: program i'm uh, right with you i think okay. it's unbelievably bad. I think, uh, I think it opens up a can of worms of, of, uh, other issues with trying to get enough, uh, however they do the metrics to measure, you know, who's doing the best and who's the most popular, whatever. I just, I, I don't like it. And the other thing, I don't know where this $40 million slush fund came from. <laughs> and, and I'd like to know that when they complain about, you know, what they're going with COVID, there's a lot of, uh, you know, sponsors are, sh- are suffering, but uh, the cost of testing and everything else is costing a lot of money. And now they're complaining they're going to or they're saying they're going to end the testing. Uh, you're going to be on your own if you don't get vaccinated in uh, two more months. And uh, and then you're you're on your own. I'm I'm one that's not going to get vaccinated. So I'll, I'll throw that out there. But okay. my biggest issue with it and my son actually tweeted it out that why not put 20 million dollars towards a corn ferry? and get these guys' purses up. And nobody wants to make a living out there. They they don't want to be stuck on the Corn Fairy Tour. But right now, you can't make money out there unless you're one of the top players. And it's really tough on, on everybody, the caddies, the players. Uh, they're not playing for enough, I don't believe. They should have a minimum of million-dollar purses up to maybe a minimum to $2 million purses. Mm. And if they have that kind of money sitting around, help out the Corn Fairy a little bit. Yeah. And and other tournaments, that might be struggling a little bit with what we've just gone through. Um, I don't see a, a benefit of guys like that are already there. Tiger tweets anything; he's number one. He's right. number one in everything, in right. social media and everything. And you got Phil. You got a guy like Ian Poulter is super popular. They say Max Homa is really popular. I don't know. Yes, I'm not on that thing. But yeah, uh, you know, they just have guys that are already there, and you kind of you already know who you're going to be paying. It'd be a hard, right. uh, it'd be a hard catch up game. And, uh, I heard it was something to do with the premier league that they yeah. wanted to, uh, you know, just make sure we hold on to our players. I don't sure. think our players are going anywhere. I really don't. Uh, we got,
0: you got it too. It's,
1: it's the Mac daddy of the Mac daddy tours anywhere in the world. Nobody can compete with that. Right. And if you lost one or two of them, uh, Three or four. They're going to come back. They're they're not they're not going anywhere. The
0: question is, where would you lose them to? There's nowhere to go, right?
1: Right. There's nowhere to go.
0: And they tried that, you know, what year ago, two years ago, they talked about that. And you know, obviously, guys with big bank overseas are like, we'll pay you this. But I hear it's that same group still. Really?
1: Yeah. I hear you know
0: the deal. The deal is that Fred Funk wants to play against. Top guys in the game, and do it in front of his country, and and do it on TV. You're not going to get that for those. We'll say five five guys. The top ten are not going to go. So right. now you got ten guys that want to go to this other uh, organization, and you're not going to get the competition that you want to get. It's not the same thing if, unless you're in it for the money grab. Then then maybe. But,
1: but I don't. See but that. even the money grab, because you're talking about guys that they're trying to get that are making so much money off the golf course already. Right. You know, you got the Jordan Spieth and those guys making 20, 15, $30 million off the golf course. And then the, what they make on the golf course is bonus. Right, it, it, You're not going to get that on the other tour. They might make a lot more on the, on the purse side. Right. And, but they don't need it. I mean, at what point, Where do you need more? I mean, really. I I mean, I would take
0: it. I'd caddy for one of those guys, but I get, I'm not going to Obviously
1: taxes are going up and they're going to be paying a lot more in taxes, but, but, but it's the the principle of the thing is just, just they have a lot of money. They got it really good right now. I just can't see another tour, uh, doing anything that can be successful up against the PGA tour. Right. They Uh, really should strengthen the European tour. And uh, in my mind, European tour, and the PJ Tour should be a total alliance with each other. Mm-hmm. I really believe that mm-hmm. because the European tour has become a feeder system for right. I mean, our tour is the world tour. Right.
0: Yeah. We
1: have less we have less US players. We're a major a minority now. Uh, there's more foreign-based players than US players now throughout the whole tour. Wow. On our tour. I, I did not know so, that. So I mean, you throw all the Asians and you throw all the Europeans and all the South Africans and all the South Americans and Central America. Now with Mm -hmm. Mexico, we've got quite a few guys Mm -hmm. in Canada and you just go on and on. You got a lot of foreign players and it's it's amazing. That's what they wanted the tour to be with the WGC and everything else. So Mm -hmm. they've succeeded and they're doing a great job. I don't know how somebody else can go up against that.
0: Right. And and the governing bodies are trying to get together, USGA and RNA are trying to, you know, make it a formulated same kind of rule. There's still some differences there. Um, I asked Stu what was next for him. What's next for you?
1: Uh, we're just starting to rock and roll now. We're going uh, uh, Houston at the Woodlands, one of my favorite courses next week. Birmingham, one of our majors, uh, the scene, the tradition. And um, and then we go to Atlanta, sugarloaf where I get the key to the house. Yes. And nice. And then we have a week off. We go to Southern Hills for the senior PGA and then Des Moines. And then we we just keep rocking now. So we're going to play nine of the next 11 weeks.
0: I think you should should go to Stewart's house no matter what, because I doubt he's going to leave a key under the mat. But you should go take your phone and video yourself looking under the mat for a key. And either you get arrested or you might get a key. And you get to get get inside and you get a nice little cold – as, well, as I know where friend. he
1: lives. He's right <laughs> off the sixth hole, and it's uh, it's I know exactly where to go. So Perfect. I'm going to call him up. Now I know that the number I have in my phone is good because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we got him. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Great game. All right. Great game. It's fun to see. I mean, it's great to hear from Stewart Sink. And, again, um, I just – you know, I, I can't get enough of the conversations that he and Reagan are having on the golf course. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, you, you know that he's the son because – he always finishes the sentence with, all right, dad, let's go. It's like, it just, whoa, shit, dad. That's right. He's a dad, you know, uh, as opposed to the golf talk that we're hearing. Then it pops in your head. These two are, and they, he is a mini me. You can hear they're very similar in how they speak, which is kind of cool. Uh, but it's exciting to watch a guy, you know, at 47, do what he's doing. Um, you know, we're, the game is changing. The equipment is changing. And guys that are older are still able to compete at a high level. And just, it's just damn fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it really is. And what's really neat with this show that we've had, this podcast has been mm-hmm. amazing because you you hear some really in depth uh, discussion with these guys, and to hear the decade system and how he's so aggressive and absolutely, and, you know, and how he plots it's it's really amazing because he's he's playing percentages to a point, uh, basically the and kind of the the philosophy that Deschambault came with is come from that, where the closer you are to the hole, it doesn't matter. It's not like laying up to a yardage like they used to say on a par five. It's now right. the closer you are to the green or to the pin, the better you are. So De- right. DeChambeau says, well, I'm going to start out driving everybody by 50 yards, and I'm that much closer, and I'll beat him that way. And he has when he's on his game. Right, he, It's pretty hard to beat him. He's also be, good with, with a putter. Yeah, very good with putter. <laughs>
0: uh, I will be definitely looking up the decade system um, because right now my splash zone is far different than Stuart Sinks. My splash zone, in, in fact, involves a splash. I'm in the water a yeah. lot because I just miss club.
1: Yeah. Myself. Well, that was pretty it. neat when he was talking about that shot on 16 and 17 yeah. where he hit it within – they were shooting for that six-yard gap behind the pin on 16, and he hit it three-and-a-half yards behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. And 17. that's the good thing with yeah 17. He didn't need to take that flag along, but he did. I mean,
0: nobody thinks he's going left of that flag because there's no nope. reason to. And yet he knew that his outside splash zone was back of green again. It's like, okay. And he pulled it off. <laughs>
1: well, he's definitely dialed in with his golf swing for sure. Yeah. yeah. No he's question. longer
0: now at 47 than he was at Yeah, He's a big rumble. boy.
1: He's, he's six four. Six four. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a big guy. Six four. I, I didn't he? even know he had a uh, crown. Of, you know, I can't, <laughs> never saw can't see that far yeah. up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's a human Q tip,
1: what he is. Yeah. That hat off. <laughs> All
0: right, funk. Uh, well, good luck uh, next week at the Insperity Invitational. Um And uh, you're on it now. You got what nine of 11 tournaments. So you're, you're, you feel pretty good. Your body's in, in decent enough shape. Um, we'll be rooting for you, those people who are listening to the on the T podcast. Um, and, uh, we'll talk next week.
1: Yeah. For the guys and girls that are listening, mm-hmm. uh, spread the word because we, right. we're getting, yeah. Tell them uh, it's a pretty good little gig here. I think it sounds, and you're amazing. Cause you really, uh, I, I gotta just give you a little accolade that, uh, you relax these guys. So well. you're really good at what you do and, uh, you could do this podcast by yourself to get
0: no, I could not. Lo- <laughs> no, no, I literally could not.
1: Uh, I love listening so, to
0: you guys and talking to business, and I'm a golf addict, and I try not to uh, bring in the fact that my, my small-time amateur career is, uh, you know, the, the stuff that we talk about off, off the show. Um, it's just fun to bounce it off with a, with a pro like yourself. So, um, all right, that's it. Um, Fred goes to work next week. Uh, we'll still be on next week. We'll figure out a way to get that done as well. Um, But for Fred Funk, the Hawk, we thank Stuart Sink. I'm Chick Hernandez. This is Terps on the (laughs) Peak.